Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Today we start the blessing of Elokai Neshama in the times of the Talmud when they would wake up in the morning while they were still lying in bed because they were in a very high level and they were pure they were able to say this blessing with Hashem's name even while still lying in bed because we're not pure so we, said, we say a, a short version of this blessing without Hashem's name and that's the Modani which we discussed and now we come to this blessing very, very profound, powerful blessing, like all the other blessings. This was instituted by the rabbis of the Great Assembly, which right at the beginning of the day sets the tone and really tells us how we should view ourselves and how we view our soul. You know, the first blessing we made, we discussed the, the body, the miracle and wonders of the body the uh, circulatory system and the respiratory system and the digestive system and the whole wondrous works, how the body works and it's so wondrous and miraculous and we have the awareness to appreciate the, the wisdom and the miracle of it, of it all. And now we come to the neshama, the soul, the part that distinguishes us from the animals. Animals also have uh, respiratory and digestive and circulatory systems. These are all physical and biological systems. But the, now we come to the neshama, the soul that distinguishes us, that elevates us, that characterizes us, that makes us unique. So we say, Elokai, my God, my personal God, in the singular. Not our God, my God. Because just like God is alone and exclusive, there are no two gods, there's only one God, so too, every one of us has a neshama, a soul that's unique and exclusive. There never was a soul like you and there never will be. Every one of us reflects Hashem, reflects the exclusivity of Hashem. Just like Hashem is unique, one and only, there's no comparison, so too every one of us is unique. Hashem made each and every one of us expresses a unique aspect of Hashem. There never was a Jewish soul like you and there never will be. You're expressing a unique aspect of Hashem. So it's very personal. Alakai, my God, my personal God. Neshama, the soul, shenasatabi, that you gave me. Tahoyrehi, it's pure. Unlike other religions that say that man is born in sin and you might as well quit while you're behind and or you all have faith and you'll be saved. The premise of Judaism is that my soul, the soul that you gave me, is pure. Tahira could mean brilliant, bright, like when the sun is out at noontime, the sun is in its, at its most brilliant state, it's shining brilliantly. Tahir also means clean. Clean, pure, clean. So we say our neshama is both brilliant, bright, shines brightly, 
and we're clean. There's no trace of ego, of arrogance, of pride. It's pure. It's clean. It's pure. It's innocent. Innocent as, as a baby. Pure. Genuine. This is the soul that you gave me. Who is the me? <laughs> Who is the me besides the soul? Who is making this statement? We are saying to Hashem, Malachi, my God, the soul that you gave me, who is the me? Who are we besides our soul? You can't be referring to the body. The body alone is a corpse. The body doesn't speak. The body has no self-awareness. The body is not, can't make this statement. God, my God, the soul that you gave me. So we're referring to this is the animal soul, or our ego-conscious self, our ego soul. Even our rational soul, intellectual soul. And we are self-aware. The life force that animates the body. The body alone is just a corpse. It's a piece of clay. It's the life force within us, and the, the, the rational mind within us. That's aware and self-aware. But we're also aware that God gave me a soul. Gave me something that's egoless. It's beyond the whole world of ego. My whole frame of reference of being selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed. There's a reality. There's a soul within me that's operating in a different dimension, that's living a different life. So we say, this is the soul that you gave me. It's not me. It's something that I was given. Because naturally, what comes natural to us, or at least to 99.9% of us, what comes natural to us is ego, selfishness, self-absorption. That comes natural. Godliness to us is something that's abstract. It's something otherworldly. It's something that's beyond us. So that's why we say... It's this soul, this pure soul that you gave me. This gift that you gave me. That my ego self, my ego-centered self was also given. I have a soul that's within me. That you placed within me. And this soul that you placed within me, this gift that you gave me, this soul is pure. Brilliantly illuminated and completely clean. There's not even a trace of selfishness, a trace of ego. It's pure and clean. And then we say, Atovirasa, you created the soul. Wait a minute. Doesn't make any sense. He should have said, This soul that you created is pure. He says, My God, the soul which you have given me within me is pure. You have created it. <laughs> No, the soul, he should have said, the soul that you've created and you've given in me is pure. How can you say it's pure before it's created? And the explanation is, unlike the rest of creation, the rest of creation, including the angels, before they were created, they didn't exist. They don't exist. God created the whole universe something from nothing. Literally, something from nothing that they didn't exist before. 
And God created it and, br- and brings it into existence. The exception is the soul. The rabbis here in this blessing are explaining to us that the soul is unique. The soul is different. The soul is not just another creature, another creation. The soul did exist before creation. But it existed in a state of nothingness, of egolessness. That is its true essence. That is its true nature. Its whole being is one of total egolessness. And that is its root, and that is its source. That is what it's all about. The rest of creation, before God brought the world into existence, and before He brought the being and a sense of being separate into existence, it doesn't exist. It's something from nothing. But the soul... The soul transcends creation. The soul precedes creation. But the soul is in a state of purity. So that's exactly what he's saying. The soul that is in its essence is pure. This soul you created. This soul descended into a world, into a consciousness of creation where there's this feeling of separateness, a feeling of that I am an entity separate and apart from Hashem. But the soul in its root and its source, there's no separation from Hashem. It's inseparable from Hashem. There's no ego, there's no I. It's completely one and unified with Hashem. And that is its true state of being. You don't just say Tahira, it started out pure. We're talking this morning, when you wake up in the morning. You're saying Tahira, he, this soul is pure now, today. Because whatever happens later on, whatever happens, it's just like an outer covering. But at the core and at the essence, the soul always remains pure. It's like that pure, innocent uh, baby or child that we all start out being. That purity, that innocence remains. It could be covered up with layers and layers. But if you strip away all those layers deep down inside, that remains our core, that remains our essence. It's like, why does the Torah tell us the whole story of Adam and Chava? They were in the Garden of Eden. It lasted for a minute and a half. And then they sinned and then they were expelled. So what does it help us they were in the Garden of Eden? But that's the story of our life. We all start out in the Garden of Eden. As children, pure babies, with pure, unselfconscious. Literally, a God of Mechava running around naked, completely unselfconscious. There's no ego, there's no consciousness, there's no pure. And of course, that innocence also lasts a minute and a half. <laughs> until we tell our first lie, until we expel ourselves from the Garden of Eden. But why is that essential to know? It's essential to know because that core and essence, that remains. That is who we really are. Our essence is that purity. That is our true nature. Yes, it's buried, but that's the root. That's the source. That's the foundation. And that truth always remains. That purity always remains. So we say this soul, 
heat presently it's in a state of purity bright and brilliant illumination and complete purity not a trace clean not a trace of anything negative all the negativity that's added on that's superficial but deep down inside it's pure and this is the root and source of the soul of every Jew every Jew's soul is rooted in the divine world of emanation which is completely one with Hashem. There's no, it precedes creation, it's beyond creation, there's no separation. It's completely inseparable and one, and one with Hashem. And the soul is completely unselfconscious. Then the soul descends. The soul journeys. It journeys into the body, into this world, into this physical, coarse, crass, and physical, material world. It's a journey. That's why it takes nine months. The nine months is just a symptom because spiritually the soul has to make a journey. From its lofty heights, from a state of purity, and it has to descend to the different worlds. First the world of creation. So we say, Hashem, you created the soul. And then, then it goes lower into the world of formation. So it says, you formed the soul, my soul. And then it goes even lower till it enters into the body where where you blew into my nostrils, where God blew the soul into the nostril, into the physical corpse, into the physical body, and causing the body to come alive. Every morning, we're saying this blessing, and this is why we Jews are so positive, and so joyful, and so optimistic, and so hopeful, because we're dealing with we're dealing with something that's good, that's precious, that's quality. We're dealing with material. We have something that's so, that's so good, that's pure and whole. And that is our true nature. That is who we really are. That is our default position. Our underlying assumption, our premise... Our cornerstone, our default position is we're pure. You know, imagine you come to a child and you say, you know, you're, you're, you're naughty, you're lousy, you're terrible. You know, the child will, uh, will live up to it, believe it, and uh, prove you're right. <laughs> but imagine, come to the child and you say, you have something so, so special. You want to protect it. You want to preserve it. Now you walk into a palace. You walk into a beautiful, beautiful place. You'll see a piece of dirt on the floor. It's not your palace. It don't even, doesn't even belong to you, but it bothers you. You'll bend down. You pick up the dirt. You walk into a place which is broken windows and broken and shattered. You'll, you'll add to the dirt. You'll, you'll empty out your pockets and add to the garbage. You know, if it's a dump, then what do I care? So if your view, your view of yourself is, we're sinful and we're horrible and human nature is so nasty and human nature is so ridiculous and absurd, you know, I might as well, I might as well live up to it. Live up to the building. <laughs> Can't fight City Hall. But if the whole underlying assumption, right when you wake up in the morning, you're fresh, you're pure, the first thing we say is, 
Neshama, this soul, I have a soul, I have something that's so precious, that's pure, and it's pure today. It remains pure. That's its core, that's its essence, and that's, that was given to me. It's a gift that was given to me, and that's what I have within me. Hashem placed it within me. You know, if I'm a prince, I, I, I'm a princess, I want to live up to it. If it's a palace, then I want to keep it that way. So it's, it's, it's giving you a whole perspective of who we are and what we are and what we have deep down inside of us. We have this neshama. And you know what a neshama is? He says. A neshama is something that Hashem blew into us. We have something that's unique that even the angels don't have. It says Hashem created heaven and earth. How? By speaking. God said, that everything should come into existence and it came into existence. God spoke. Man is unique. Adam is unique. It's not like the animals. Not even like the angels. Not that Hashem spoke and man came into being. No. God created, formed the body from the earth. And it was lifeless. It was a corpse. And then God blew into his nostrils. And that's the soul of man. Then man came alive. That's why it's called neshama. Neshama comes from the word to blow. The rest of creation comes from Hashem's speech or from the, the, the ruach, the wind of the speech. But it's just speech. Speech is external. Blowing comes from within. You blow... You're blowing from within, and that's why you, you, you're out of breath. You can't continue to blow. The greatest cantor can, can sing for a minute, you know, without taking a, a breath. But, and you can't. It's coming, you're taking your, it's coming from within you. Speak, you can speak for hours. It's superficial. Also, God spoke, and the world came into being. It's like the king gives a command, go build this house, and the house gets built. But with man, God's breath is his neshama. Our neshama is God's breath, it's God's breath itself. This breath that comes, so to speak, from the inside of God. So man is rooted in the inside of Hashem. Unlike the rest of creation, including the angels, which only come from Hashem's speech. And it's Hashem spoke and the world came into being. But we, our neshama, is a piece of Hashem himself. That is our neshama. When you realize what he's saying here in this blessing, you jump out of your, you jump out of your chair. You realize what, what we have. Hashem gave us this gift. We have a piece of Hashem inside of us. And this is located at the very core and center of our being. And this piece of Hashem is brilliant and illuminated and pure and clean. And it remains so today. Even after the soul entered into the body and the soul descended from its heavenly perch into the physical and ego-conscious self to animate the body, it remains and retains its purity. And even more so, blowing comes from deep down inside of you. So in a sense, it's only when the soul enters into the body that you reveal just how deep how deeply rooted the soul is. Why did the soul have to come down into this body? 
It's a traumatic descent for the soul. It's like a roller coaster ride from the peak to the abyss. And it's very painful for the soul. But it's only with the soul descending into the body that you reveal, you reveal its inner core and essence, even more so than when the soul was in heaven before it was born. Just like the blowing. When you blow, it has to come from deep down inside of you. So it's not only that the soul descends into this body because by doing what you have to do in this world and by doing the right thing, the soul will achieve an elevation. No, the moment of descent, at that moment the soul already achieved an elevation. Because in order to be able to accomplish what the soul needs to accomplish, Hashem invested Himself into the soul. He blew the neshama. Neshama means blowing your breath. He blew His neshama. He blew a piece of Himself into the, into the person. When does Hashem blow? And you blow with force. And this, this blow of force entered into man. And now the soul gives life to the body. So in order to be able to impact the body, for the soul to be able to impact the body, Hashem had to blow from, from Himself, from, from His deepest self, so to speak, and blow into us. It's like if you want to make an impression. There's a sand. You want to make a sand castle or whatever. You want to make an impression or shape the sand. you got to blow. you got to blow hard. If you speak, nothing's going to happen. But if you blow hard, then it'll, it'll create a shape and it'll, it'll remain that way. So in order to impact the body, Hashem had to like reach deep down inside of Himself to blow hard, to be able that the soul should be able to impact the body, to make an impact on the ego self and the ego consciousness and our coarse, crass, materialistic self, to make it to turn our body and our physical self and our daily life, mundane life, into something godly. So the moment of impact, the moment the soul is born, Hashem already gave us such strength. We are already elevated. The elevation happens before we do anything. The moment we're born, the moment the soul comes in contact with the body, that's the moment that when Hashem blows and, and, and it enters into the body from the deepest depth of Hashem, Hashem gives us such power and such strength. He reveals the, the, the ultimate source of the soul how it's rooted in Hashem Himself. Even greater than the level of the soul which is pure. How can you say even greater than the level of the soul if you're pure? Purity means there's no ego, it's egoless, precedes creation, before the level of creation, which is before the level of separation. All there is is Hashem. How can there be something even greater than that? Because the world of emanation, even though it's a divine world, but it's a world. It's a divine world. It's a world of unity. It's the world of the ten divine emanations. There's no ego, there's no separation, it precedes creation. But it's still a world. Then there is a level that's even beyond the world of emanation. And the difference is, the world of emanation is like 
the light of the sun, right? The light of the sun is completely egoless. There's no separation. I look at this light, what do I see? I see the sun. You can't have light without the sun. You can't bottle the light and sell it <laughs> on eBay. If there's no light, if there's no sun, there's no light. The, sun, the, the, the light of the sun is completely dependent on its source. And all it has is the source, and it points to the source, and it's nothing other than its source. It's completely egoless, complete, there's no separation. But it's not the sun. There's the sun, there's the light of the sun. Then you have, from the sun's perspective, from the sun's perspective, there is no light. Light doesn't exist, light doesn't mean anything. What does the, sun, what does the light add to the sun? All there is is the sun. It's not like you have the sun from the sun's point of view. It's not like you have the sun and then you have light. The sun, what, does this, what does the light add to the sun? It doesn't mean anything. To the sun, light means nothing. Whatever light, light comes from the sun. There's nothing other than the sun. There's nothing else besides the sun. From the light's point of view, you have light, but this light is attached to the sun, connected to the sun, points to the sun. It's not a separate entity. It can't even exist for a moment without the source. But you have a light, it's outside the sun. But from the sun's point of view, there's no light. light. Of course, the light is there, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything, it means nothing. It's, all there is, really, is the sun. So that's like the difference in the world of emanation. The world of emanation, the divine world of emanation, yes, it's a divine world, and it's a world of unity, and there's not, it's pure, there's not even a trace of ego, there's not even a trace of separation, of self-consciousness. It's totally connected with Hashem. But it's a world. It's like a light that's connected to Hashem, to connected to its source. And it, no, it feels there's nothing other than its source. It's, it's, it's. But it's the light. It's connected to its source. It's totally dependent on its source. But when you go beyond the world of divine emanation, then all there is is Hashem. There, there, there's nothing else. It's like from the sun's point of view, there is no light. Or to use another analogy, the human body. The human body is completely egoless. We're completely unselfconscious. When you walk in the streets, you, walk, you feel like you're a bag of 248 limbs and 365 veins of sinews and muscles and flesh and blood and uh, cells, I mean, you're completely unselfconscious. You don't feel yourself. And that's a, a sign of health. What's the first sign something is wrong? If you feel yourself. If you feel yourself, suddenly you feel your arm, you feel something is wrong. A healthy person doesn't feel themselves. So that's like the world of emanation. It's the body, it's not my soul. But the body is completely nullified and completely unified with its soul. So much so, I don't know where the soul ends, the body begins. The body is completely inseparable from the soul. The body itself is alive. Every cell, all 37 trillion cells are alive. And the moment you decide to move, your body moves. You don't even have to think about it. It's automatically. Because it's so one and inseparable and tuned in with the soul. So it's a world, it's a body. But, it, but it's completely egoless. It's completely inseparable and unified with his soul. 
That's called the world of unity. A world is completely unified with Hashem. There's no separation, there's no ego. It's completely unified with Hashem. Hashem is my soul, I'm the body, and I'm completely egoless. Then begins creation. Creation is when suddenly you feel yourself. It's a separation. It's the beginning of separation. Okay. Next comes the next level. The world of formation. Here it's like suddenly not only you feel yourself, now I feel sick. (laughs) The separation has grown more prominent. When the separation becomes prominent, all of a sudden, uh, I'm not feeling, uh, this hurts. It's painful. I feel pain. Uh, something is hurting. Something is, not, something is not right. And then you reach the world of action. Something dies. You can have flesh that dies. You can have something that has to be cut out or amputated or something is completely disconnected. It no longer feels part of the body, of the soul. So, so these are the different, different levels. Now, the soul has to enter into this body. In this world of complete ego, of complete sense of separation, ego consciousness. How can the soul impact this body? A world which is like spiritually sick, that self-conscious feels itself, and it's actually sick, and even worse. Maybe it even needs an amputation. God forbid. It's so disconnected. Until something dies. It's no longer alive. How is the soul supposed to impact this body and to change it and to turn it into something godly and alive and heal it? So Hashem has to blow from within Himself. He has to blow from that level that's even beyond the world of emanation. Beyond the level of the soul where the soul is pure. Hashem has to blow, forcefully blow from within Himself and give us that power and give us that strength. That not only shouldn't we be affected by the world, but we have the power to completely change and transform the world. Because if we're just a light, as pure as the light is, we wouldn't have the strength to change the darkness, transform the darkness. This illness, this, this complete disconnection, we couldn't reverse it. The light can fight with the darkness to change the darkness, to enter into the body and transform the body into something healthy, into, into this darkness, into light. But when Hashem blows from within Himself, from Hashem's perspective, Hashem's point of view, where all there is is Hashem, all there is is the sun, there is no light, nothing exists besides Hashem, that gives us the strength that we can change the world, we can redefine the world. We're not impressed, we're not defined by the world. We won't allow the world to define us. And we're not impressed. We don't care if 99.9% of the world is, attacks us or opposes us. It, doesn't, it won't affect us. We know who we are and we know what we are and we know what we have to do. And for 3,800 years, despite the fact that they've been coming down on us like a ton of bricks, 
right, left, and center, it didn't deter us one bit. Where do we get the strength? Aristotle is laughing. Plato is laughing. We really couldn't care less what anyone in the world thinks? And the answer is no. <laughs> because Hashem blew Himself into our nostrils. He gave us a neshama, His breath. Our neshama is Hashem, is a piece of Hashem. Hashem's deepest core and essence, Hashem's self. We have a piece of Hashem inside of us. To Hashem, nothing else exists besides Hashem. Plato, Aristotle, laughing, 99%. What does that mean? We have Hashem, and not only aren't we impressed or discouraged, but we have the strength to redefine the whole world, to take this body, this hardcore, crass, and coarse body and completely transform it and turn it into something godly, into something wholesome. And that's why man was created unique, in a unique way. Everything else, the animals, God created the body of the animal and the soul of the animal simultaneously. Only man was created in a two-part process. First, God formed the body from clay, from the earth. And then he blew into his nostrils. So man's body is different and his soul is different. Because the animal, even the body, was created simultaneously with its soul. So the, the moment the, the body of the animal appeared, it came out alive. So the body was alive. It was a higher form of life. The animal life. Versus man, his body, our bodies started out as the lowest form of existence. Pure clay, pure earth, a dead corpse. So our body is lower than even the animal. On the other hand, our soul is even higher and greater than even the angels. Because the angels God created by speaking. God spoke and it came into being. While our soul, Hashem, blew into his nostrils from within himself. And that breath is our neshama. Neshama means breath. Hashem's inner self, that is our soul. That is our life force. That is, we have a piece of Hashem inside us. Do the animals have soul? Animal soul. They feel, they feel. and So man is made up of opposites. On one hand, our body is the lowest and our soul is the highest. And that's why we were tasked. We're the only ones. Only man has the ability. Because our soul is the highest. We have a neshama, which Hashem blew into us, which blew with strength. That gives us the strength to be able to take the lowest, the body, the physical, the coarse, the crass, and to elevate it and to, and to transform it. It's like when you want to lift up a building, how do you lift up the building? You have to, you have to go underneath the foundation and then lift it up. You have to lift it up from the bottom. So if our mission is to lift up the world, we have to start from the bottom which is ourselves, <laughs> which is our bodies. But we have the strength because Hashem blew into our nostrils. Neshama. And then he continues, You protect this soul within me. To protect 
means it's something greater than what's being protected. Only someone that's bigger than you, stronger than you, has the power to protect you. So we're saying Hashem protects this neshama within me. Because not the entire neshama, the entire neshama does not enter into the body. Only a little part of the neshama enters the body, enters into our conscious being. The, the overwhelming majority of the neshama, the greater part of the neshama, remains beyond us. It's beyond our consciousness. There's a level and reality of our neshama that we are completely unaware of. It's too great for us to even grasp. Whatever happens on our conscious level is also happening simultaneously on a, on a subconscious level. We're not even aware of it. When we study Torah on a conscious level, the neshama that remains in heaven, or the part of our neshama, which is the majority of our neshama, the main part of our neshama, remains beyond us, that transcends our whole conscious self, which is very limited and narrow. So this, this part of the neshama remains above us. And that part, that's what protects us. This is what protects us. And we say, Ata, you Hashem, you protect my neshama within me. Why does my neshama need protection? Because the soul is like a flame, like a candle. It's constantly yearning. Like that light. It's constantly yearning to reconnect to its source. That's its nature. The candle jumps. And since this is the, the, the essential nature of the soul, and the soul remains in neshama, it remains pure. That's its natural state. So the neshama is constantly, the soul is constantly yearning to connect with Hashem. Hashem has to protect us and keep us alive and keep us grounded and keep us connected to the body to remain in the physical world. Because the neshama on its own would rather reconnect with Hashem. And this is true of all neshamas. Because every soul has to go through these four levels. It starts out, every soul starts out as pure. And then the soul has to go through this whole chain of, of descents. One level from the level of creation, which is the beginning of existence, to the level of formation, to the level of action until the soul actually enters into our ego consciousness, into our physical bodies. But even though every soul has to pass through these different levels, yet we have those souls who remain souls of the world of the divine emanation, like the souls of the patriarchs and the matriarchs and the souls of Moshe and the Rebbe. They're souls of the divine world of emanation. Then you have souls of the world of creation, many of the prophets, um, the Talmudic rabbis, then you have souls of the world of formation, and then you have the majority of us souls of the world of, of action. And that's why you have souls who are, who are connected to doing, you have people who are very deep emotions, spiritual emotions and you have souls who have great intellects and you have souls who are very mystical and spiritual and godly 